Ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to be in business for myself. And though I'm not yet in business for myself because I haven't quite figured it out, the topic has always fascinated me. And that's what Girl Biz is about. While I try to figure out what I want to do, I thought this would be a great way for me to talk to women who are already doing it or who are aspiring to do it and how great it would be just to have those conversations. Hello and welcome to Girl Biz. Today we are talking with a former co-worker and newfound friend Amina Hammond who's a brilliant graphic designer and multimedia designer um, who I had the pleasure of working with very briefly um, and now she's moved on to bigger and better things but I also wanted to share that um, Amina decided to go into business for herself only a few short months ago and I think she's learned a lot and, and I'd love to have her share it with all of you today. So Amina, welcome to Girl Biz. Thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate you having me. It's, it's an honor. I'm excited about this. I am too. It's always fun to tell your own story too. And to learn, you know, maybe have some new insights that you can share with other people who want to do what you're doing and sort of pave the way for them. So let's get started. I wanted to start off by talking about your actual journey as a designer rather than just getting into, you know, what made you get into the business model you did. But when when did you start designing, um, you know, that you remember? Well, um, as young as, I want to say maybe seven, um, my parents had a typesetting business. And so I know typesetting isn't really a phrase used anymore, (laughs) but um, back in the 90s, um, that was, you know, a printing service that people needed um, or they would lay out um, publications and that kind of stuff. And so I grew up really with um, light tables and t-squares and all these kind of layout and print design um things around and i would play with those things and i would take tracing paper and you know take my favorite cartoon characters and just try to learn how to draw and that carried me to just fall in love with drawing and that's where really where it started um and so when i got to high school um you know, I would draw little characters and draw bubble letters and stuff that high schoolers do. But then um, getting into art class, I was introduced to other mediums like charcoal and painting. And I really gravitated to charcoal um, because it just came so naturally. And so I started making these portraits in high school of like my fellow students. And then it became like them and their boyfriends and they would want portraits of that or you know then it became teachers wanted a portrait oh my anniversary is coming up and I started selling these portraits for like I think it was like $40 a pop and I was making some really good money as a junior in high school just with drawing and that's when I really was like okay this is official I have to be you know a professional in this this is how I'm going to make my money um, and so I just kept pursuing that passion for um, using my hands and making art and drawing. And that led to um, just animation um, is my first love and still is. And so I wanted to learn how to do it because to me, it 
was just like putting two things I was good at, one being art and drawing and one being just navigating a computer um, because I always had one in the house and just, I don't know, I just put the two together and right. came up with computer animation and um, just kept pursuing it. And, you know, my parents um, just really pushed me in that direction, helped me get uh, Help me get the information, learn about the industry, bought books for me, put me in front of professionals that they knew. Um, my dad passed away when I was 11, but my mom continued to push and put me in um, programs, summer programs, that kind of stuff, and just fostered it until I, I was just really not only just in love with it, but felt like I was really good at it. Well, that's something you and, you and me have in common as far as the being around T-squares and draft tables and all of that, because both my parents were artists. I've told you about that before. And I used to draw, too. I used to enter drawing contests, and I doodled all the time. And I designed things, too, early on. So, you know, you and I have talked about, I, I don't I tell the audience, I designed bracelets, but the it wasn't, it's not necessarily scalable right now for just me to do, to produce those, but I've always designed stuff and, and had the same interests, but I also wrote. So it, it ended up, you know, I make my bread and butter doing the communications piece, but always still have a love and appreciation of just a creative process, either creating things with my hands or, you know, uh, creating, uh, the stuff I do now for, for how I make a living, you know, writing and communication stuff. So I can definitely appreciate that. So all the way up to, you know, you, you have this natural talent, you've perfected it along the way, you've had mentors, you had your parents support you in your journey. And then we the pandemic hit and you decided it's the best time for you to share your designs through doing this business. And I see you kind of look like, oh, that was so scary what I did. <laughs> so tell me, um, tell me how that, how you came about to that decision and why that business model of a drop shipping business, which is your, which is your business model? Mm, that's a good question too. Um, well, to the first part of how it uh, came to the decision, um, my husband has always been really, really supportive of my work. Um, he believes that I'm the best designer in the world, probably. That's great. Um, <laughs> he should. <laughs> he would always, um, you know, he he realized what art and design meant to me. And so he would be the one pushing me, like, you need to do something creative every day. Like, you need to doodle something. Mm -hmm. You need to, he bought me an iPad so I could draw on that. And he was like, Sweet. you just have to always have something going that allows you to have a creative outlet outside mm -hmm. of your job. Mm -hmm. um, because as you know, you know, even as a writer, um, you know, you channel your creative energy into a job. It, it's different. It's it not is. free. No, it's not, no, yeah, you do it at somebody else's specification, so exactly, yeah. Um, and so it's not always creative, it's right, more skillful. right. Um, but you know, so he would always encourage me to keep um fostering that creative. He felt like I would just be my whole self if I gave that time, and so um, it really started with getting that iPad picking up the stylus and drawing all the time and making it a habit again because I had really gotten away from drawing. Is this um, during the pandemic? 
Yeah. This is okay. So, yeah, yeah, more. So everybody cool. had free time to figure out their life, you know. Right. You know. Right. And you're home. And so right. Like, home. What am I doing? Right. And I, I got the iPad that Christmas before the pandemic, and so right. I'd already started. Um, and then I, I just, I don't know, I just love doing it. And so when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like, I don't know, I would just do these drawings and send them out to family and friends, and people would be like, "What are you gonna do with this?" Like. It's so good. You need to get it out, you know, so people can see it, appreciate it, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this. And you get paid. You get paid for it. You know, let's be frank. That's what, you know. I mean, originally it was was less about the money, which kind of keeps the stress on the business aspect. Because I I still, to this day, don't really focus too much on money and timelines. Not to say that's the best thing, but that's my thing. Right. Um, and so um, it was more so like, yeah, I want to share this with the world. And so how can I get it out there in the least stressful way possible, which is what led to drop shipping? Because if anyone's not familiar, um, you know, creating drop shipping products just means you create it, you put it online and it gets um, produced one at a time based on someone ordering it. So you don't have to worry about um, spending a bunch of money on inventory. You're not storing boxes of the thing in your house or garage. You're not packaging it and shipping it yourself. That all gets taken care of through whoever you partner with uh, with drop shipping. And so um, I started working with a company called Printful first and um, T-Launch second. And um, they just had some good products that I could put my artwork on. And what was it like the first time you saw your designs on those products? Was how did you feel about that? You know what? It was hard to decide. Like, I don't know, you had to I really had to ask myself, like, do you want to put this on t-shirts? Do you want mugs? Like, who are you gonna be? I had to really, I mean, I just at first just wanted to do like stickers and stationery and journals and stuff like that and you know you kind of realize all right some stuff just doesn't sell as much as others and and that's where I kind of stumbled into more of apparel because it sells and a lot of people want it and not only that I feel like a lot of people are starting t-shirt businesses but not based on being a designer or an artist just based on liking to do crafting maybe or something like that and so you just didn't see a lot of artwork on apparel anymore and so i decided that was going to be my thing right that would create things that other people couldn't duplicate and that really grabbed some some attention right away so i just ran with that are the hoodies still the popular thing so, what a good question. <laughs> so, yeah, I still get questions like, because the hoodies are no longer on the market for now. Oh, right. Of the fact that I started a licensing process. So, I had these Howard University themed hoodies, and they sold like wildfire. I couldn't even keep up. Um, and I decided because of that to apply for licensing through Howard. And so I took them off the market. And now that I, thankfully, praise the Lord, got approved um, and got a license, had to be Excellent. a month ago. 
Great. Yep, I'm officially licensed. Now I can produce stuff that's official. Um, but now it's not hoodie weather. So, right. you know, I'm kind of revamping the, the products that I want to. I'm just taking my time. Yeah. It's, it's just no pressure. That's what I love. I have a good job. I'm making good money. I don't use this as really supplementary income right now. And so that helps me stay sane because I'm not trying to hit a certain number in this quarter or, you know what I mean? All the probably really good business practices that would have caused the business to grow more by now. I'm just choosing sanity and stress-free, you know, business relations for now. Yeah, I mean, I I know some of the, the, you know, why you were saying it's an easy model. Talk a little bit though about the the pros and the cons of that model because I know some of the challenges you've had and so what could you speak to that a little bit like what you've learned since you took on this business I know one of the challenges happens to be since you're by yourself and you got like gobsmacked by all the customer service stuff you all of a sudden had to do so yes so that is probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is that half maybe of your energy should be reserved for customer service. So mm-hmm. it does not matter if you come up with a great marketing and sales strategy, a great product, um, a great delivery method, production, all of that. But if you did not save any time or energy to deal with the everyday customer service, hey, where's my shipment? I received something, but it's damaged. Can I exchange this? It's the wrong size. You know, if you're not present for that interaction, you're already dying, in my opinion, as a small business, especially, where people don't, they're trying to figure out whether they should trust you. You know, you have to earn their trust. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you have to earn and maintain their trust because one bad interaction you know word gets can, around word gets around yes. they don't respond to customer complaints they don't yep. you know do, do that's another so that even though you don't the good the news is your living room is not stacked with t-shirts and hoodies that you're sending right. out because the fulfillment happened someplace else right. but you're still also having to be responsible for interacting with your customers and meeting yep. their needs and you know, making sure things are flowing in the way that people are, if there are delays, you're letting them know about that. And yep. so it's a lot, you know, in addition to, yep. I know you're also um, standing up the, trying to, trying to also have somewhat of a social media presence at the same yeah. time, because that's so it, important. So yes, there's a is. lot. Yeah, yeah it, it is a lot. And, um, like I said, that's why the, the stress-free business model is important because if I go a week without posting on social media, yes, it is bad business practice. But, <laughs> but it's good for I, your sanity. Yeah, exactly. it, Right, because you're not, this is, some of, you know, it sounds like to me, it's kind of like me, like I'm doing a podcast because it's just an experimental podcast. I have a job. Right. You know, from what I've seen, most people don't get rich from a podcast, unfortunately. Certainly, I'm not. I'm doing them when I have time to do them, you yeah. know. Um, and I have a day job. And you have a day job where ultimately, I think we both would like to be independent of that. But in the meantime, right. got to eat, 
you right. you um which brings us to our next topic of how you balance it all cuz you have a husband, you have a 4-year-old and you just share with me, congratulations, another little one on the way due yeah. in October. So, I think you've already said one of the ways you handle it is I just don't take it that seriously where it's do or die. I enjoy doing the designs. I manage it based on you know, my lifestyle. So talk a little bit more about that. Cause I do know you have other projects that I, when you told me, I was like, how are you going to do all this? You know? So talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit about that balance. No, it's, it's a fair thing. And actually a lot of people ask me like, how are you doing all this? Because between, you know, working the family, running a business and also leading ministry with my husband, um, mm -hmm. all those things are constantly ongoing. Um, and I think, I think the, the thing that makes it all work is, number one, kind of containing the nine to five, like keeping it contained, because what can happen so easily is, especially now that we're home and teleworking, it can kind of seep out of its box and take over extra time and, you know, oh, I'm working late or I slept late, so I need to work really late or I, I got to get this done, so I'm going to put in a few hours over the weekend and I don't really do that. You know, I get up when I need to get up and treat it like I'm going into the office because I want to be able to sign out on time. And so that's the thing. I think some people deal with like pressure or maybe guilt about um, just working a normal 40 hour week. And I know everybody can't do that. But, you know, my background working in agencies and that kind of thing where people were regularly pulling 50 and 60 hour weeks, you know, I just made a decision that family and having time to just sit with them and enjoy them is more important than meeting a deadline or something. As long as I can stay employed and my bosses, supervisors are happy, right. I am not trying to become this super overachiever on my job. So it starts there. I agree. I, yeah, yeah, it starts there. And mm -hmm. then, you know, from there, just, you know, um, the support of my family and even my daughter, she's five now. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. I said she was no, four. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, and I also teach a class. I forgot about that. So I teach a, a No, class. I remember. I remember you said you taught a class. I was like, wow, what What does she What does she not do? I feel like a lot. I, honestly, it does. But um, yeah, having to teach my daughter, you know, okay, mommy's going to her office. I need an hour. <laughs> All right. She still doesn't respect it. But I told I you to tell her, where's your hall pass? If she's out in the hall, you know, like, you got to be hall monitor, too. Do you have a hall pass uh, right now? Because if you yeah. don't, you need to be back in your classroom. <laughs> yes. I need, I really need to make one. You she do. You do. You do. You know. She makes it her business. She just likes popping up on my Zoom call. That's because stuff. you don't have the hall pass. I mean, I think you should get one. Just make up right, one. I'm and not, I, you know what? I bet you she'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to go in here and talk to mommy because she's going to tell me I don't have a hall pass. So I'm not, I can't go in there without a hall pass. I mean, you know what? The one good thing about the pandemic is everybody is so understanding right now yeah. of interruptions oh and yeah it, yeah it's like it's like before this people treated it like you could totally 
compartmentalize being a mom or dad and being a co-worker or being a you know employee yeah and that two never crossed over until we start doing these zoom calls and even top leadership has their kids running around in the background on television yeah my cat gets in on the meeting as a matter of fact i was going to stop this recording because i could hear crunching paper outside the door and i was like i should stop but to everybody who listens to this those are my cats crunching paper not with their mouth just like i keep like paper for them to make a mess and you know boxes and stuff for them to keep them occupied so they're out there stepping on paper and making a bunch of noise if you hear that you know that's what it's like it's what it's like to be at home and have your own home recording place you know you're gonna yeah for work too but one of the things i uh, what was interesting what you said a few minutes ago i've seen i haven't really read the whole article but there's somebody who keeps tweeting uh, on twitter about you know employers need to get over this whole thing of you know working really hard and work your nose to the grindstone kind of mentality where you know, uh, people are, you know, putting in all these extra hours and not balancing it out with a life because people have lives and they're still, just because you work 60 hours doesn't mean you're necessarily productive. So, yeah, I mean, so people, I think the pandemic has also taught us you can, you can, you know, you can have a life, you can have a family life and still meet the needs of an employer and um unfortunately some of the some of the business models like who we work for they may not necessarily be more flexible unfortunately for their workers right now even though i think in the future they're going to have to be but a lot of businesses are like you know what we don't have to be in the building all of us at the same time after this so let's tell some of them have gone to like permanent telework status because they realize they don't have to pay overhead of a building and their right. workers can just be plugged in with a with all the technology we have right at home to do the job. So right. I think it's getting better for humanizing what it means to work for someone. Um, yeah, and that's a good word. Yeah, I mean, so what's nice about where you, where you are now is with all you have going on, Superwoman, <laughs> um, you're also much closer to home for your real job. So that's yeah. nice. So that you, you know, when you do go in the office, you're not going as far as the location where you and I work together, yeah. which is much further away. So yes. um, so that's nice as well. But, um, you know, I, 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 it sounds like you haven't taken anything off when I was like, do you think you should take something off your plate? You know, now that you have this business, but it's really good to be honest with where you are and how a business fits into your life. And right now, this is still your side hustle. So you've got to make your other priorities. And certainly when the new little one comes, that's another, you know, all hands on deck kind of a thing. Um, So you got to make your your business model fit into that. So it makes makes perfect sense. I mean, it's it's easier to juggle because I don't think yeah not one of those things that I named is something that I I don't love doing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I love teaching my class I love leading a ministry um and and leading young adults I love my business I love my job and so and I love my family and so 
it's more about scheduling. It's more right. about planning and thinking ahead. I always have a weekly schedule. Not mm-hmm. to say I, I do it religiously, but when I do, my week goes so much smoother when I just block out time and then stick to my own schedule because I just find that you have more time in the day than you actually think if you're intentional about how you spend every hour. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not like a, a schedule Nazi, but <laughs> I, I, if I make a plan, I'll follow the plan. Right. So that would be my best advice to anyone who feels like they don't have enough time to juggle. It right. would be take out a pen and paper, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday, write out the days of the week, and you block out what you're going to do because I'm the type of person that if I know I have something that needs to be done by Friday, starting Monday, it's already hanging in my mind. And I'm like, when am I going to get to it? I got to get to this because it's coming. And, and But if I say, nope, on Thursday, I'm giving four hours on Thursday to make sure I have it by Friday, then I can move that out of my mind and focus on the other things. And yeah, so, I mean, you um, have to be really organized to do what you're doing. I, I write everything. I know there are virtual calendars, which I use for work, but it helps me to reinforce to just have an old-fashioned planner so I can see it and write it out and scratch it out or do whatever I need to do but that reinforces Uh, it for me to have it written down exactly I I don't know what I'd be without so you're in the same mindset you know you gotta writing writing it down reinforces it for me and reinforces it for you and then gives you kind of a visual rather than a virtual experience which is a whole nother part of your brain I feel like right um, and it can take more energy just trying to upload Yes, it trying online. to trying to keep it up to date and right. you know, it it is it can be a little bit much. So it's just yeah. easier to get a pen and a, and an old-fashioned day, you know, day planner and just write yeah. it out, you know, without all of that. So I definitely agree with that. Um so I think you've already answered this, but talk about um, with the business in specifics. First of all, it has a really cool name, which we forgot to mention. Oh, right. And say the website, too. Just give that information so people <laughs> okay. can go see your brilliant designs. <laughs> so the name of the brand is Self Made Realionaire, and the website is selfmaderealionaire.com. Awesome. Now, how did you come up with Self Made does that, I don't, I, I kind of get it, but how did you come up with that name? So, I think people have taken it and started to call me like, oh, the self-made millionaire herself. There you go. That was, not, that was not the intention. When I first came up with it, I think I was in a place where it was early enough in the pandemic where I was probably consuming way too much social media. And I was getting irritated by like people like for lack of a better word just stunting online like just um portraying this image of almost like you you're not unless you're traveling and taking beautiful pictures in front of mountains and you know or you have this you know car you're wearing the most fashionable you know items then whatever you're doing is not important and you need to be striving to get to that place like that seemed to be the message that I felt like a lot of people were portraying online and it got to me even more because it impacts my children you know I have my five-year-old I'm very close with my niece I have a stepdaughter who's older and that just brainwashes these girls and I'm sure guys too into thinking that the only thing of value or importance 
has to do with being rich or having money or having fame. And so I was kind of like, but wait a minute. Like, I'm going into my 10th year of marriage. We paid off our credit cards. We own a home. I'm starting a business. Like, these are things that actually matter and should be celebrated. You know what I mean? And other people are paying off their student loans or have reached a certain, you know, point in their career that they always wanted to be in. Or, I mean, those are the things that I just wanted to focus on. So I really started out wanting to highlight those successes. And I still do, um, you know, want to just promote um, the things that people are achieving that are real. Um, And so that led me to, no, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm a realionaire. And, you know, from there, realionaire, self-made realionaire, just kind of, I don't know, it just came together that way. But it was really about being a realionaire, like, I don't A real person. Yeah. You know, and it's it's it's, it's catchier than gratitude in there, which is really what you're saying. It's like, (laughs) you have so much to be thankful for and grateful for. And you don't have to be, um, you know, like a, a, a big time instagram star or you know anything like that to to really feel like you've made it you know exactly um so even the the you know the backbone of the business name um i always refer back to a scripture proverbs four and seven but it talks about um just wisdom and being rich in wisdom and why that's important just be rich in wisdom like you don't need to have all this money or stuff and no wisdom no you know you're not well you're not grounded either i mean i think that what i get out of that foundation right what i get out of proverb too is you're not grounded you're always seeking something else some other high if you will for how much more money i can make or whatever rather than being thankful for where you are at that moment exactly yeah so that makes sense yep makes perfect sense um, so it sounds like you're, we'll talk a little bit about some of your biggest learning curves that you've had, you know, that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. Um, so we touched on this earlier, but the customer service thing was probably the first big boom. Um, I got involved with a, um, group, uh, associated with power university, which is my, um, alma mater. And it's alumni group. And I did like a design for a fundraiser we were doing to raise scholarship money. And, you know, this fundraiser kind of, there were a lot of sales for me. I was just starting out and it was like 2,000 or something sales within a two-week period that now me personally, I was responsible for making sure that, you know, these t-shirts that they ordered were produced and shipped and everyone received them at a certain time in the right size in the right colors and styles and so handling 2000 of those in a very compressed timeline definitely was a customer service boot challenge camp. And, so, boot camp. Yeah. and so i was just on my email you know i had my email coming to my phone i was just always making myself available um, you know, answering questions around the clock, really, um, not even keeping it to nine to five because I was working nine to five. And so I'm answering questions at 10, 10 p.m., 2 a.m. if I'm up, you know, or 7 a.m. Yeah. or whatever it is. Um, and just um, 
learning that people are way more forgiving if you're just honest. I think that was a big thing because I feel like sometimes you'll deal with customer service and they either giving you the company line or just trying to keep you from escalating something or appease you, but not actually giving you like the real deal or owning up to an error or a mistake. And so a lot of times I'll just be like, wow, I'm sorry, I really missed this. And I see now that you've been waiting forever for your order and that's just my fault. So what can I do, you know, or taking the L sometimes, you know, I think um, small businesses will try to do everything to avoid having to take a loss financially on a sale. And so it's like, no, I, I don't do refunds, you know, or I don't want to, um, I see your, your package got lost in the mail, which was happening like crazy during the pandemic um, wow. holiday, whatever, last fall, which is when we were doing this fundraiser, which was a nightmare. But <laughs> packages were getting lost and delayed left and right. And that was the bulk of the, the customer service complaints. But, you know, it was just being willing to fall on the sword and be like, okay, and make that. mistakes. Yeah. yeah, or just like, yeah. I see that this wasn't my fault that right. FedEx lost your package or it got stolen off your porch. But you know what? It's not your fault either. So between the two of us, if one of us is going to take the loss, I'm going to go ahead and take the loss and be sending you another one or whatever it is. Right. And that's when I've learned that that is so valuable because people have come back again and again and again. And as a small business, there is nothing more valuable than a repeat customer. And so, sure, on that one transaction, maybe took a loss. But then when they come back three or four times after and purchase something um, or sign up for your email list and, and send it out to their friends or post about on social media, that that's worth way more than the 20, 30 bucks you might have lost on a sale. And so hands down that's been my biggest biggest um learning curve and um valuable uh thing that i've learned so far um well i mean i think excellent customer services separates a small business from another small business so anything you can do to go to extra step people appreciate like you said and then you reap the benefits of them passing on how gracious you were and um so that that goes a long way um, okay, well, we're this is short and sweet. We're going to wrap it up pretty soon. But I wanted to ask you, um, just as a final thought, what did what do you know now about Amina juggling all these roles that maybe you didn't know before? Mm, that's a deep question. Um, hmm, I'm going to say. I think I, I, I think my confidence in myself has grown since starting the business. Um, I don't think I've valued what I can do artistically as highly as it has been received. And I'm very surprised and also humbled by that um, because I don't think I saw it as that special you know, being able to draw. Sure, everybody can draw. You know what I mean? Like, No, it, they can't. But I, I pre- that's so gracious <laughs> that's of you I to felt. say that. <laughs> that's how I felt. Like, a lot of people draw. Like, you know, and, and so to take... Doesn't mean you're good at it. 
<laughs> to take the illustration and then to couple it with being a black woman and to couple it with being a Howard alumni and to couple it with being a Christian believer mm-hmm. and to take those things that I'm passionate about, um, even being a DC uh, born and raised resident, that's another thing I'm passionate about. So to take the skill of illustration and then to pair it up with these different things that make Amina Amina um, has created a really unique kind of set of products um, that are niche products, really, um, because how often are you going to see, you don't see, you know, um, that kind of twist, that black or urban flavor twist on, you know, even, even on college paraphernalia. You know, a lot of times it's very cut and dry to the point. So I've learned it, putting some flavor in it makes a huge difference. And it makes people, you know, so I think what I've learned about myself is I have a lot more to bring to the table than I thought. And that it's okay to make things um, or design things just because I like them. Because what happens is it attracts other people who like just those things and can't find it anywhere else. It sounds so. it sounds like it's okay to be you and there's a market for everybody. And what you learned is your brand of self-expression, there's a market for people who will appreciate that. And yeah. it's a validation of your own talents. And But you bring them with humility. So um, I think, you know, that sounds like that's the lesson you learn. And that's a great thing to learn for everybody, that you can be yourself, that there's a market for you know, what you're selling or, or, or what you are, you know, passionate about and to just go with that because, um, then you can become a self-made real, real unit like you. <laughs> yes, so yes, that's I excellent. Like that. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much in your busy schedule to take the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, maybe you can come back sometime and tell us how, how things are going in the future sure. months and how the business has, has expanded. Um, but, you know, in, in the meantime, please take care of yourself and keep in touch. But thanks again for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you, Jerry, for having me. This was fun. Thank you. It was. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Girl Biz. I'm your host, Jerry Jones. Look for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts.